0: You see, last three, four years, a lot of users would like to try the product before even talk to anybody in in your organization, right? Primarily, if you see, it has been a, a sales-led motion or a marketing-led motion. But eventually, what I saw is product-led growth helps you to have a long-term, sustainable business Welcome to the ThriveStack Community Podcast Series. My name is Guru Raj,
1: and I'll be the host for your show. And with me, we have our famed Community Product Manager, Anushka. As we launch our inaugural podcast, let me take a brief moment on on describing what we're trying to do and share the excitement behind our venture. You may have noticed there are numerous podcasts on the growth and monetization topics. We follow them as well, and they're truly excellent, specifically tailored to empower your sales and marketing teams and get to thinking about how to make money, the big law that we talk about. However, there's a notable shortage of resources for the builders and the operators, the practitioners, the men and women who tirelessly strive to create and build things. And that's exactly why we decided to create a show for those people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Building and managing the entire growth stack requires an understanding of the bigger picture implement in smaller and calculated iterations. These practitioners face numerous decisions along the way. Which tools they have to choose, how to integrate these tools into the product, how much data to analyze, where do we take this data and store it, which experiments they had to conduct and numerous such things. Recognizing these challenges, we've are in, we are introducing a series of these podcasts aimed squarely at the growth practitioners. These include the founders like you, the growth product managers, as well as those in the growth engineering and operations team. Our aim is to provide the platform that fosters the technology sharing and inspires you to go and build something unique. We are going to dive deep into a broad spectrum of topics, including how do you build product capabilities, go-to-market strategies, implement pricing decisions in your product, and so much more. With a focus on practitioners, you can expect plenty of hands-on labs, product demos, and industry insights. And yes, did we say demos and hands-on labs? Yes, that's right. Our aim is to cut through all the jag and all the market and help you build and try things for yourself. Ultimately, our goal is to empower you, the SaaS builders of all sizes, to survive and thrive. We're looking to embark you on this exciting journey with you. Thank you and enjoy the show. Let me, let me introduce uh, the, the guests. I'll start with myself. Um, I'm, a, I'm Guru Raj. You usually go by Guru. I'm a two-times founder in cloud and security companies. Recently, I've been dabbling on a venture in growth and monetization. With me, uh, we have Suman, who's the director of product management at Multiplier, a global employment enablement platform. He's got a long career in building products on SLG, PLG, with Microsoft and a whole bunch of other companies out there. Suman, why don't you tell a little about your background, uh, and you know maybe lay a little bit little bit of focus on what interests you do to pursue product management and product growth.
0: I started as a, an engineer, right? Uh, and then way up, made up to the product management. The product management was an accident. Uh, what I realized was product management role at the company that I was working with, it was not well-defined. So I took a step into it and said, okay, let me define this role. Uh, it was way back, I think a decade back. Uh, that actually st- stemmed the interest around building awesome products which will meaningful to the company and to the users and get value out of it that's where my product management journey started what led to me to bring more concentration or interest to a product like growth was if you see last three four years a lot of users would like to try the product before even talk to anybody in in your organization right Primarily, if you see, it has been a a sales-led motion or a marketing-led motion, but eventually what I saw is product-led growth helps you to have a long-term sustainable business, right? Uh, That's where I started learning about product-led growth and implementing some some aspects of it throughout my career. Why don't you share about your experiences around product-led growth? It's a very interesting journey. You know,
1: I've worked in companies which were partner-led. I built my own startups, which were mostly partner-led. Uh, and my last uh, my last journey after the acquisition was primarily on the sales-led. Uh, and somewhere in between, you know, uh, in the last maybe three to four years' time, we started seeing a trend that the end users want to go try the product by themselves without actually talking to the sales guys. We were starting to beef up our sales team. And then, you know, that's where we realized this is the case, you know, a different in different statistics. So while I was running the business unit, you know, for for, on a cloud security basis, we spent about closer to four and a half, five million, um, you know, on various SaaS products uh, that we were buying and acquiring. Could be databases, could be developer tools, you know, could be marketing and sales tools, you know, for, for that particular business unit. The, the realization hit me when um, developers, some of the sales guys, they went ahead and they tried products by themselves. Uh, and when they actually hit the limits, for example, uh, some of my developers went ahead. We were building a Golang-based platform, and uh, there were not many developer tools to allow you to debug, to be able to go build, to be able to go connect with your you know, GitHub repositories. So JetBrains uh, was one of them. Of course there was Visual Studio and various various tools out there. But JetBrains apparently became, became very popular with uh, some of our developers. And about 40 of them, they were trying these particular products and they started hitting limits, uh, you know, uh, after a month or two of the trial and uh, they, they ganged up together and they asked us for buying licenses. What I realized was very funny. Uh, we couldn't even talk to anyone at JetBrains. Everything there was pretty much online. So we had to go, you know, take out our corporate credit card and buy 40 licenses. And then there were this interesting tiering that hey, if you buy from zero to five or ten licenses, you get like a baseline discount, which is about five percent or so. I don't even know that if if everyone's buying online, why would you want to have five percent? But maybe that that interests other people. But then, you know, there are various tiers now. So we started thinking about, hey, we have about 150, 200 developers across the board. 40 of them are now asking for discounted deals. Uh, you know, uh, on, on this one, uh, what about the, the rest hundred? So should we go by the next tier? Uh, so we were like, constantly thinking about it. We had the same thing with uh, with feature flag implementation, you know, launch darkly versus or something else. Uh, internally, some of the some of our um, documentation team they started writing their documents on Notion, and they started sharing across the board, saying that hey, this is a Notion document. Some teams went ahead and um, the marketing teams primarily when they went out uh, to build trade shows, uh, even the trade show forms were all a table. Say so, hey, could you join us for this event? and even the the forms they were not HubSpot or Salesforce they were Airtable you know and and to the amusement we had a lot of people started to use Airtable so we had to go buy a corporate license for that so that started you know showing across the board that much of the buying that we started starting to do which was about more than one-fourth of the purchase spend that we had uh, was all self-service so that led me to start looking up what's this revolution around And then uh, it led me to kind of start uh, looking up. There's this uh, gentleman called Darius Contractor. I think he was a head of growth at Facebook uh, when Facebook started having a concept of growth, right? So he wrote an article about the psych framework, and Mm -hmm. uh, and we tried to implement that. You know, it's a very simplistically put. The psych framework is goes something like this: you know, the end user is discovering your product. He has the psych ratio. Or a psych score, you know, of let's say 50%, which means he's neither biased, you know, uh, towards your product nor biased, you know, to go against your product. So let's say it's a 50% score. He comes in, he signs up to your product, uh, and he likes beautiful UI. So you add, let's say, five percent score on top of it. So he's now at 55% psych score. And then over time, let's say he gets uh, you ask him beautiful questions. He understands why. You, know, you show him some intense screens like the job to be done screens. Uh, his site score goes slightly higher up. But the moment you ask him, "Hey, give me your email ID, give me some personal information," the site score goes down. Then you ask him, "Hey, give me your credit card." The site score goes down. So if the site score goes way below where he started, usually you know he's not going to be buying, right? usually he he he's churning away. And then I started reading. This, this does this make sense at all? This was Facebook, and most people don't put their credit cards on Facebook. Does it apply anywhere else? Uh, then I found these examples on Amazon.com, buying it on Azure, buying it on AWS, uh, buying HashiCorp tools, buying you know HubSpot. And this pattern apparently started appearing everywhere. When I started looking, I guess it started appearing everywhere. So my experiences on growth has been, you know, over time, slightly, slightly building towards that notion that very likely um, the big plays out there, you know, in the next one or two years might become just purely self, uh, self-serve or PLG led. And then that leads into maybe SLG over a period of time. But I think that
0: balance of both PLG and SLG is here to stay. Yeah. Uh, that's just great. my experience. Yeah. Great. Great. I think great examples that you narrated from your experience, right? maybe in the context as you touched upon self sir, right? Let me let me bring my own experience at Multiplier. Mm-hmm. As you know, as you said, Multiplier enables the global employment, right? For example, let's take your scenario. Let's say you want to hire somebody in, let's say, in Argentina, right? I'm just giving an example. Typically what you do, you have to go set up a legal entity, find a talent, find a payroll person, find the right insurance to be compliant in that payroll. It might take approximately six to seven months, eight months to do all of this, right? And sometimes you don't even know where to start. You don't even know how to start, right? And especially in SMBs and startups, this six, seven months, eight months is golden, right? You don't want Mm -hmm. to lose a business. So that's where we come in, right? Let's say you go to some social website or Google on how to hire person in Argentina. We pop up as one of the search options, Mm -hmm. you as a user, click on it, log into our platform, you play with the system, you onboard some person in 10 minutes, you have a contract, Mm -hmm. you have a person mapped to Argentina and the person is ready to work with you in next 24 hours, right? That's a self-serve realization. That's aha moment that I as a product manager realized, and also we are Beautiful. giving the power to the customer and user, right? So within less than 24 hours, versus eight months, not nine months, and some, some situations you don't even know how to start, you are now up and running in that country, right? Uh, within 24 hours. That's the simplicity of self-serving. Now, as a user, you have realized the value already, right? And without talking to anybody in the world, right? That's the first step that we started Moving towards, hey, you know what? Let's give power to the user. Let them play with the product. Let them use in the way they want to be in their context. Suddenly start realizing the value, right? That's when, yeah, did we move away from saleslet motion? Not yet. But this is small steps that we're making towards. And as we bring the funnel, this is one lead, qualified lead that's going into the sales lead. But you I think this is exactly what we are trying to get to. As an aha moment for that yeah user. so i think is someone that... what
1: yeah looks like what you're saying is uh this has a power effect on both sides of the equation the end user is able to go discover and try the product without actually talking to the sales uh sales team right uh, it's a little low friction they can do it at home or you know uh, on their own free time uh and within like you know hour or two of the trying the product they are starting to get you know, the sense of, hey, this, whether I can solve the problem that they have in their minds or not, right? Uh, that's that's power to them. But I think what you're also telling is, you know, companies like Multiplier uh, is able to, you know, from a startup business standpoint, from a business standpoint, you are now able to go and check out, you know, of course, probably is backed by data, um, that there are so many end users, they're trying the product, they're dropping off, they are churning away, they are signing up, but they're not logging in back again. All of this information, you know, you're now able to assimilate that. You're able to analyze and understand what are the things that customers like. So instead of you building things in in silos, you actually are now a lot more attuned to the you know to the end user's requirement. I, I think this, you know, I guess that's what you're saying. You know, uh, yeah. did, did I get
0: that right? Yeah, exactly. I think you touched upon a very important point. So did we build, did we build this on day zero? No, not yet. The key was having a deep empathy of the customer and the user in the context that they want to work on. We have done a lot of customer interviews. we met the potential prospects. Uh, We had a lot of data qualitative and quantitative on the platform to gather the information where exactly user getting stuck. What exactly was it looking for? We had to collect data at least for a quarter or so, right? And we keep on continuously iterating on the product. The 10 minutes or 15 minutes of aha moment uh, was not an overnight journey, right? We had to spend a good amount of time dissecting the each and every part of the journey, right? Uh, and not everybody in the organization, including me, know this space very well. So we have to go deeply, understand the domain, understand the community, understand the users, right? So you brought up a very important point that have you looked at data? Data is the crucial part of that, right? Without that, I don't think we will be able to crack that product or a self-serve awesome experience to the users.
1: Yeah, so someone maybe, uh, could you share a little bit of insights on, you know, as a product manager, I mean, you head the product management, uh, you know, function at, at Multiplier. How did you guys go think about that self-serve should become part and parcel of, you know, the the, the general experiences that the product should have? Uh, You know, I I think you mentioned that you were primarily sales-led and then you started adding self-serve. And that's a very rare scenario where I'm seeing, uh, you know, early stage startups or mid-stage startups are able to kind of pivot a little bit, uh, but large-scale companies who have either gone IPO or they have a massive, like almost 99% of their entire function is all sales-led. It's very difficult for them to pivot. So how did you guys think about implementing self-serve and adding you know, self-serve as a motion uh, alongside with your SLG?
0: Great question. I think a lot of things happen, but I'll see if I can concise in the next few minutes. Right. So as you know, in SLG, what happens is the customer acquisition and translating a customer qualified lead into a customer takes a long time, right? Uh, Typically in our space, it may be, sometimes it may go up to 25K, right? Uh, And more than that, depending on which segment you are in, that's when it hit us, right? And and fortunately, our founders are so tuned that, yes, in the long term, it's a product game that we want to play. That's when this thought seeded in all of us that is there a way that we can give power to the end user and the customer, do a self demo, self serve, get the value out of it, and then come to us. Hey, what does it mean to translate into a, a customer or buying customer, right? That's when this thought seeped into us, right? The self serve, the A led the sales lead, people were able to go demo, uh, the demo spends there'll be a lot of questions on the product. It, does it really add value? How much cost I will incur? How much money I will save. All that questions, you know, sales was a, a handing your demo and it goes through multiple iterations. It would hmm. take two, three months of sales cycle to translate a customer. Right? And and what we realized is we are losing a lot of momentum and gain, right? So we slowly transition saying that hey why not why not we give power to the uh, end user and customer and try it up. Slowly, that's where the small build happened. Initially, it was not an easy journey because uh, the ACV that comes out of the self serve was not so big. You know, there are small customers, small users, small time users with two, three person employees, right? But it's larger story, adding value with blade approach with SLG and PLG, they started adding value so that now the funnel on the top of the funnel looks very much qualified. The transition of the percentage of moving from a qualified lead to customer has drastically improved, right? So we want to continue on this journey. And we strongly believe, I think Guru, this is you can also share this and some insights from your experience. I don't think PLG is the only way that you can grow, drive the growth. You have to leverage all three growth engines and it has to be a laid approach. And it has to be a collaborative approach across the departments. Right? So that's my that's my my journey. When that's you know, I want to understand from you how was you how you know you you did two startups. How was your journey? You know, was there any experience that you can share?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you know um, what you said. Maybe let me build upon that a little bit, and then get to my experiences. What I think what you're saying is you know SLG and PLG together. You know, are probably even uh, MLG, the marketing-led uh, growth, uh, all three of them go hand in hand. It's not one or the other; it's all three together. So, marketing probably has as a bigger function to come and attract and get the end users to land on your landing pages, get the value proposition associated to it. So, there's an aspect of PMM, there's an aspect of marketing, there's an aspect of getting the word out, right? That's important. Uh, but then PLG becomes, you know, an important first step towards growth. Now the end user are, are on, on your website. What do they do? You know, typically you will, you know, if you have a contact us page, that's friction, right? So either, you know, um, we, we, I think I've seen uh, so many websites, I've seen, I've talked to many, many startups across the board. It's the easiest thing for them to go put up is, hey, take a HubSpot, you know, contact form and put it on the website and then start collecting collecting the leads. And they think that, hey, these leads will probably translate over and that's marketing led, uh, but the conversion rate is pathetic on that. Most people are coming in just for finding out, you know, either some content or you know, or uh, some webinar or some uh, you know white paper that they're, you know, they they get their hands on. To, uh, but most of them will not convert. Right? It's less than less than maybe 1.5 percent of it. The I think the next big barrier to that is after they have landed on your page is where PLG comes into play instead of having a contact us form, if you're able to put in, uh, hey, sign up for free trial or do a freemium or some kind of, uh, you know, sign up experiences around it. And that can come from various places. Um, you know, I was talking to some startup the the day. Their primary go-to-market motion is not their website. Their market motion is coming in because they are a developer-led company. Their market, uh, their, their channels are primarily the um, AWS marketplaces and the Azure marketplaces of the world. Rather than having you know, on their website, so even though they put up a sign up or trial on their uh, on their web pages, uh, they found almost ninety ninety five percent of their discovery or the end user discovery uh, and the sign up experiences are all coming in from the AWS marketplaces or Azure marketplaces. So you know now coming back to my own experiences around this, um, adding if you are a successful company with SLG Motion, adding PLG is extremely difficult extremely difficult there are you know uh, we tried that on you know, ourselves you know we had to go figure out and get uh, get uh, get conversations with the leadership team whether you know if we are building this together there are tooling that's necessary there's spend that's necessary we'll have to go build a growth team uh, that didn't exist uh, we had to also build up these you know the self-serve experiences within the products that didn't exist we had to go build up the data analytics on who's the end user, enrich the end users, try to find out from them whether they are just trying to, you know, are they are they your competitors who are just trying to, you know, gauge value from your product, or they real end users, you know, or they you know uh, real large customers, just trying to understand that entire spectrum of who are these end users, which company they belong to, is what I'm referring to as enrichment. Uh, we didn't have that, right? Uh, so a whole bunch of investments one has to do to get to PLG, get to self serve, uh, and that takes an effort. It takes um, it, it takes the leadership to think very differently. And if the leadership is, you know, still thinking that hey, we want to go after some large deals, uh, and any deal sizes would be, you know, mostly enterprise deals. Any deal sizes should not be less than thirty k, fifty k, you know, uh, you know, uh, ARR. In that case, PLG motions don't come into existence. So, so leadership would not, you know, shell out, you know, any money towards that. Uh, Very rarely have seen that leadership team would sit down and understand that, hey, this is a changed ecosystem. The ecosystem is very different. Uh, You know, uh, the companies like Sneak, they started doing PLG uh, recently. GitHub, GitHub was always PLG, you know, GitLab started adding PLG. So, I'm starting to see a lot of this on the security ecosystems, developer ecosystems, but not so much on maybe B2B, B2B finances, B2B healthcare, uh, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of other areas that slowly starting, starting up, and maybe there are some statistics around which uh, industries are likely to go PLG, you know, and maybe I'd like to learn more about that as well. Uh, but I think adding PLG to an existing successful SLG motions is very very difficult but adding slg to a successful plg motion is actually much more easier right uh, you know the the pqls the pls you know the product-led sales uh, sales assist you know uh, a they are still lesser friction you know the date if we have the data getting to analyze the data and getting to sales-led motion is actually much more easier than building an entire function around uh, around plg Again, uh, just some, some random thoughts, you know, but uh, do, you, do you generally agree with what I'm, what my experiences were, Asuman?
0: I think you brought up a few great insights, right? Uh, throughout my journey, if you see when I worked at ADP, it was purely sales-led. Right? Mm-hmm. And in, at Microsoft, it was a combination of all three, right? There are some products where we are driving purely on sales and marketing. And then there are products which are driven by product right? Uh, and then multiplier. We started with sales. Slowly, we are making movements to product-led, right? But one thing, as a common theme that I've observed across all three, is you, as a company, as a leadership, from day zero, have to have a thought process around this. How do you want to grow, right? What kind of investments you want to make today, in the in the short term, in the long term. Right. And if you have that thought initially. When do you move, make a movement. The, what is the timing of it? Resources may go through here and there. But as a thought process, if you have already built into your into your leadership, into your process, I think the journey becomes easy. Right. But if you're not thought about it initially. And for example, the very common sense point that you made. A contact as well self serve how you build the product, how you build the sales engine around this is totally different, right? Today it really sounds very simple. Hey, you know, why don't you have just you know self sign in and then like? But how you build that self sign in? How do you ensure that the value that you want to bring into the customer is not lost? Is the is a thought process that you should as a company have initially thought? To? Once you have it, journey will become much easier. But yeah, I've I've seen companies. Not able to transition well because they didn't have this product mindset or a user mindset initially. Great insights, and that I think yeah, yeah. transition vice versa has not been an easy journey for me as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, compliments to you for sharing uh, sharing this uh, you know on a podcast like this, which is why we are bringing these topics you know a little more deeper topics. That's our hope. You know, so our hope is that podcast like this will help people understand how to think about growth. You know, in fact, we are trying to go beyond growth. We are thinking about how do we make them thrive? Uh, I think that the word thrive has a bearing that we are starting to think about it a little more is, sure enough, there is growth, uh, but there is a healthier growth. You know, the the growth is not just grow, grow, grow at all costs, but it is a lot more healthier. So, you, you know, we, we want to help uh, SaaS builders around the world to really thrive in that space. With that, let's close on this particular topic. Thank you so much for watching the show. And if you have any more teaser topics, any more topics that you would like to suggest, please do suggest us on either on the community Slack, you know, or on on, on our uh, Substack channel. Thank you again, gentlemen. Now it's your turn to join the conversation. We invite you to our Slack community, ThriveStack. Not only can you engage with your fellow practitioners, but you will also get a unique opportunity to connect directly with industry experts and tool builders alike. If you've enjoyed today's discussion, please consider leaving a review comment on the podcast platform of your choice. Feedback makes a big difference. Stay tuned for more insights, more guests, absolutely more demos. Until next time, keep thriving.